0: Hello, and thank you once again for tuning into the Reptile Living Room. I am your host, as always, John F. Taylor. And today we're going to be talking with Charles Sherman from Tundra Dragons. Uh, Charles has been doing this for a little while now. Uh, Producing some really killer, killer bearded dragons. Um, has some various different opinions that we've talked about over, over the time that uh, I've known Charles. So, basically, here's Charles talking about how he got started in the industry, uh, what he's got planned for the future, how he you know, got uh, started breed, uh, breeding bearded dragons, why he does it. And you know the routine. So without further ado, here is Mr. Charles Sherman <clears throat> from Tundra Dragons. So today we're on the line with uh, Charles Sherman from Tundra Dragons. And uh, Charles, I guess the best place to start with you is um, how did you get into breeding bearded dragons in the first place? Well, uh, about
1: 2000, 2001 uh, area, I took a trip to Australia. I was there for about three months. Um spent some time out in the bush, they called it, mm-hmm. uh, in the Outback, and we were just hanging out, camping, and then I came across a couple of them, and I thought they were cool, you know, but you, know, you don't think you're going to be able to find something like that as a pet.
0: Yeah, really.
1: At least I didn't back then.
0: Right.
1: And uh, so about 2008, I was in the pet store, and sure enough, I saw the same lizard I saw in the Outback in the pet Petco display. Nice. So, that's how I got into beardies, but getting into breeding them, it was it was more of a... I really liked lizards and thought I'd like to produce some, so I went looking for a, a better dragon than what I had. I just had a normal slur I mm-hmm. picked up a, a nice little red at one of the shows and, and I kind of branched from there. I've, I've been breeding since 08, so okay. I've, I've not been doing it too long, but... Right. No... What would you say is the,
0: I guess, the most intriguing part about breeding beardies? Because I know some of the morphs that you have, I've, you know, I've heard of them, but I've never seen them before.
1: Well, I, I like to produce the more stable morphs, I guess you'd call it. Mm-hmm. I mean, I produce hypos and translucents. That's really the only morphs I do that mm-hmm. I consider a true heavy morph. Okay. Well, I do leatherbacks, but everybody has those, so I, I can't really consider that one of the a rarer morphs. Mm-hmm. But morphs are, morphs are interesting. You gotta be careful how you breed morphs. Right. For instance, like if you breed a trans to a trans, and you can end up with uh, neurological issues and just all, all the other unhealthy dragons. You gotta be real careful on how you breed them and what you breed together.
0: Oh, okay.
1: For me, I've actually gotten to the point where if, if I wouldn't sell it, I mean, if I wouldn't buy it, I wouldn't actually sell it. Mm-hmm. So I've gotten to the point where I only breed the highest quality dragons I can find. Okay.
0: Did you uh, first learn how to breed the dragons? I Me, mean, was it just something that you, you know, brought a couple of dragons home from the show and just started breeding them right away, or was there a learning process? Or
1: I spent two years researching um, dragons in general, and then I spent another about a year researching breeding before I actually got one and bred the female to my male. I had. Oh, okay. So It was about three years of research before I I started the breeding project. Nice. And I recommend anybody who's going to be doing that to definitely do your homework. There's about 50,000 care sheets on the internet. Yeah. <laughs> and they're all different. So Yeah, exactly. Take what works for you and go with that. Not every one way is exactly correct.
0: Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Now, what was the first reptile that you ever kept?
1: Um. Oh, boy. An Moli, I believe.
0: <laughs> oh, really?
1: Okay. When I was about seven or eight, mm-hmm. I've had everything. I mean, I've had... You know, ball pythons, iguanas, monitors, you name it, I've had it, but I, I love my beardies. Yeah. and <laughs> what's like not
0: what's, uh, what's the attraction to the bearded dragon? What was it about the beardy that, you know, kept it going? You know, they versus have personality the more than,
1: they're personality more than a lot of the reptiles I've, I've had. Mm-hmm. Um, they're personable. Okay. They actually, I honestly believe they enjoy the attention and the, the I call it human time. Mm-hmm interaction between, you know, like, human and, and animal. It's, uh, they're the puppy dog of the, of the reptile world to me.
0: Right. Now, what are your thoughts on, uh, say, like, crossbreeding? Uh,
1: like, crossbreeding?
0: Like, different reptiles. Um, like, you know, I noticed they're breeding uh, carpet pythons with, uh, you know, various other more, uh, different uh, species of pythons. What's your opinions on like that?
1: Like, well, with a python? Right, right. Yeah, I don't like. I'm, I'm not a big fan of that. I know it happens in the wild occasionally, but I, I don't think we need to wish uh, for that. Mm-hmm. I, I just don't. I don't see how that's a good thing. Yeah.
0: Okay. You
1: know, features, though. There are some cool, some cool looking ones, but I just I don't. Not a big fan. Okay.
0: And how do you decide what to breed when it comes to you know the different morphs and the Bearded Dragon realms?
1: Well, I'm real picky, so I, I look for a certain certain qualifications for mine. For trance, it's got to be super clear, no white spots. Mm-hmm. Um has got to have 20 full nails and be real light. color got to be right. I mean, i got to have real bright dragons, mm-hmm. clean dragons. I don't want any any muddy back dragons. I All my dragons are super nice. Okay. Electric quality or better.
0: <laughs> right, right. And uh, now what factors go into the pricing of the herbs that you sell?
1: Um it depends. Morph, of course, is going to affect price. Mm-hmm. Uh, color, you know, the higher color end it is going to be. Its the price is going to be more expensive. Mm-hmm. My grade nine, I have, you know, your, your pet quality, which I usually wholesale out. I don't usually sell on my shows.
0: Oh, okay.
1: I do the opposite of what most people do at a show. I take my best stuff. Oh, okay. Walmart, and only sell the higher end stuff. And actually, um, I, so I do. You know, I bring my whole backs and my collector qualities, most of them, not all of them, but mm-hmm. most of them, to the shows that I go to. Sure. So when people come by my booth, they see the best of the best. They don't see the garbage I want to get rid of. They see what I actually have.
0: Right. And what would you say um, would be what would be some of the best practices that you would tell someone keeping you know
1: bearded dragons in their home? Don't kiss anybody's ass. Yeah. <laughs> Seriously though, um, read for what you want to read for. I mean, if if you want to do normals, do normals. I have no problem with someone who wants to, to do that. There's a place for it. Mm-hmm. But um, the people who think that they have to breed the newest and the best is ridiculous. I don't, you know, there's blue eyes and like there's seven like seven other morphs that I don't touch. Mm-hmm. Um, just breed what you like. I like reds and I like trans and I like hypo. That's that's what I like. But I mean I have yellows too. So you know, right. But do your homework, research, research, research.
0: you yeah. Really got
1: to do your homework. Um, oh. you're gonna breed anything, it doesn't theories or whatever. It doesn't matter what you're gonna do. Right. You're gonna keep right. something. You better do your homework yeah exactly um, Set your stuff up proper um, mm-hmm. Follow your own set of care seats like I said before you gotta you gotta look and find out what works best for you yeah you know what works for me here in, in Wisconsin doesn't work for my buddy Mark in Vegas right, so, right. we were talking about that when I was there a couple of, a month, about a month ago. Oh, okay. we were talking about how much different my care is than his care because he's got such a dry climate and mine's more humid most of the time. right
0: now, um, talking about breeding and stuff like that. Um, what do you think is going to with with the upcoming competition that uh, is going on with Bearded Dragons? What do you think he, is going to make you a winner?
1: Uh quality. Some quality. I, I breed for quality over anything. I mean, mm-hmm. all my dragons are healthy. Um, all my bloodlines are as far distant as I can get. Mm-hmm. Of course, everything is related here in the states. And what you know, they all came right. from a certain small amount of dragons, so everything's related. But mm-hmm. I stay five generations out from. A, a pairing. So if, you know, you had a, a male and a female, I wouldn't buy a dragon any lineage down five generations down from that. Oh, okay. Because I want all my stuff to be separate. hmm That's how I can kind of um, fight some of the issues you get with inbreeding. Like, I know there's quite a few breeders out there that don't pay attention to genetics, and I just don't understand how you could do that.
0: Right. Now, what are some of the early issues that you ran into as far as breeding is concerned?
1: Uh, I've not had too many. Um... I had a temp spike in my incubator once when I was moving, and that um, caused a neurological issue with a clutch of eggs. The one before and the one after were good, but, I mean, there's not a whole lot. I've not been doing it too long, so Mm -hmm. I've not, well, I take really good care of my animals, so I haven't run into egg binding or any of the other issues that you can run into. I pay attention to my dragon.
0: Right, right.
1: I know that's not necessarily what happens, but I... I keep a real close eye. So if I see something, I really try to take care of them before anything bad could happen. Right, right. So, so far, I've been, I've been lucky, knock on wood. <laughs> yeah, yeah,
0: definitely. Now, in your opinion, what's the hardest part about being successful in this in, in the reptile
1: industry? Um, staying yourself. Really? Um, okay. A lot of people, yeah, a lot of people really kind of push you one way or the other. And I'm, I'm a big fan of being who I want to be and doing what I want to do. But... Uh, that's, that's the biggest issue, I think, is, is, is just trying to stay yourself. I mean, there's a lot of big breeders are going to push you one way or another. You're, you're not going to be able to do everything that you want to do.
0: Right,
1: right. I, I feel um, because you're not going to be able to sell some of the dragons that you produce. If you don't produce normals, it's going to be hard to sell them. It really is. Mm-hmm. I mean, selling dragons is probably the number two hardest thing to do in, right now, especially for dragons. Mm-hmm. There's tons of breeders and tons of little guys we're selling for 30 or 40 dollars and, and a lot of people look at it and if they're just looking for a pet they're going to look for the cheapest pet well it's, that's not necessarily the best way to go unfortunately sure sure a 30 or 40 dragon you could pass in a week or two and and how are you going to get hold of that that guy who just breeds him out of his you know garage mm-hmm. for two clutches a year who doesn't put any information on it doesn't give you a card nothing no, right you really got to go to a reputable breeder if you're going to buy Something from somewhere other than a pet store, and, and I'm not a big pet store proponent. But if you're looking for a pet, there's nothing wrong with a pet from like Petco or your, I prefer local pet stores than the big chains. But you're going to get one. That's what you got to do you
0: right, know? right, gotcha. Now, as far as uh, talking about the industry and things that are tough in the industry, as far as reptile and reptiles are concerned, and the litigation and its effect on the industry and you personally, where do you see that going? That's a big question there. <laughs>
1: <laughs>
0: you know, because with the recent, you know, everybody's trying to ban pythons or, you know, ban this or ban that, you know, where do you see the litigation going eventually?
1: Well, we're in a huge fight right now. Right. Any pet, honestly. I mean, you, you look at, we're having the same fight with uh, the pit bulls and rottweilers. I oh, got really? friends that are fighting to keep their, their service dogs, even. So wow. it's, it's really, really crazy what's going on right now. And what people don't understand is once they and pythons, they're not going to stop there. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. PETA HSUS, they're, they, they're about to stop all pet trades. Right. Not just, you know, pythons. No, that pythons is the beginning. Um, the president of the Las Vegas Ripley, Mark Romansky, said it best, I think. He said, uh, first it's pythons, then it's poodles. The next, Right. You know, they're, they're just going to keep going. So, we have to stop them now. If we don't stop them now, we're not going to stop them. Right. It's going to keep rolling. It's just going to roll downhill. Right. Right. You know, they're, they're trying to ban exotics. So what's an exotic? Ninety-seven, I think, percent of animals in captivity right now are exotics. Yeah, You know, exactly. they, they don't come from where you're from. Right. I mean, that's what an exotic is.
0: Yeah, exactly. If it's
1: not native, then it's exotic. You know, cats, dogs, fish. I mean, it's, everything can be lumped into a general exotic there if we're not careful. We really have to fight this tooth and nail. You know? Right, right. Um, USARC, I know, is really, really big right now in fighting it. And so I, I suggest everybody join USARC. Not that right. I'm a huge proponent of them, I'm totally not affiliated, <laughs> but I really do believe in what they're doing.
0: Yeah, and, you know, uh, a colleague of ours, you know, said something one time, you know, it's the only person that we've got that's fighting for it, so, you know, might not agree yeah, with it, some of what they do, but, you know, at the same time, <laughs> they're the only ones doing it, so,
1: guess what? Right. Yeah, you got to support who's fighting it.
0: You know? Right, exactly. And,
1: and the, the biggest misconception I see is everybody sees keeping a pet as a right, but it's not, it's a privilege. Right. We have the right to fight to keep our pets. We don't have the right to keep them, which is which is what a lot of people don't understand. Right, right. Right now, our privileges are under fire. Yeah. All kinds of them, all across the board.
0: Exactly, exactly. Now, would you recommend a bearded dragon for someone living in, in, a, in a, a smaller setting like an apartment or a condo or something like that?
1: Absolutely. Okay. They love outside time, so they don't necessarily have to have a ginormous enclosure. You can get away with... A, a 36-by-18-by-18 BIV. I mean, Mm -hmm. they're not huge. So, you know, like a 40-breeder.
0: Right, right.
1: Um. So, yeah, absolutely. They're a great pet for a smaller enclosure. Actually, I used to live in a two-bedroom condo, so I had, like, nine dragons in a two-bedroom condo in a little eight-by-nine room.
0: (laughs) Wow. Wow. um, It's definitely doable. Yeah. And now, as far as dietary concerns, you know, because a lot of people are asking, you know, what should I feed my dragon, you know, is spring mix okay, you know, what's not okay, what is okay, because you hear a lot of, on the care sheets and stuff like that, you know, that spinach is a calcium blocker, you know, and these other vegetables are calcium blockers, and, you know, but I've talked to other people, you know, that are in the industry that are, you know, zoologists and what have you, that uh, will tell you, well, you know, it depends on how much they eat. What's your opinion eat? on that?
1: Uh, the zoologists, right, I say it really depends on how much they eat, but, mm-hmm. Um, BeautifulDragons, I believe, .com now. She just got a new website. She has a really good um, uh, list of foods that are good, bad, okay, occasionals. She's got a really good list there.
0: Um,
1: oh, okay. So I, I definitely recommend following her list. I follow her list myself. Oh, okay. First um, staples, I run, just to make it easy, I run kale, collard greens, mustard greens, turnip greens. Mm-hmm. Um, and then And then on the uh, protein side, I run... Uh, Super worms, crickets, your uh, roaches are really good. Um, I stay away from mealworms. Oh, really? And uh, then hornworms. Hornworms are great. Yeah, mealworms are, are ninety, ah, uh, probably eighty percent shell. Oh, okay. Which, which is they, there's really no nutritional value in a mealworm for a dragon.
0: Oh, wow. Okay.
1: And uh, they don't break them down too well, so I, I yeah I stay away from mealworms. I i, I have to feed a thousand of the no one dragon just to get them to eat enough. Wow. <laughs> wow.
0: wow. Okay. That's good to know. Now, what advice would you give to new breeders that are interested in possibly be, uh, breeding bearded dragons?
1: Nature to what you love. Um, do what you love. Don't, don't branch out. Stay focused. Okay. If you're going to breed dragons, breed dragons. Don't breed dragons, ball pythons. Uh, you know, don't mix it up. Right. If you really want to be, you know, good at it, you gotta, you got to focus. I mean, I, all I do is breed dragons. I, I do nothing else. I don't even keep another herb right now. Oh, okay. So I, I mean, I... I, I, I Focus, and I found that by focusing, that I can produce better quality mm-hmm. animals. So uh, I definitely say focus on what you want. Okay. Um, do your homework. Mm-hmm. I don't want to see a guy who buys two dragons start breeding tomorrow because he picked up two dragons at a show. <laughs> and I want him to do at least a year's worth of homework before he's gonna breed them, so he knows what he's getting into. Right, right. It, it's. Putting them together is easy. That's the easy part. The hard part is raising the dragons, selling the dragons. You know that. Everybody thinks you're gonna make a million dollars for eating reptiles and it's just not gonna happen. Right, right. I hear anyway, that. you unless you're the top of line guy, you're not gonna to make tons of money. You're good lucky if you break even most of the time. Yeah, exactly. So that's now, what I would I would focus on on doing your research first.
0: Okay. Now what what does the future hold for Tundra Dragons? Uh, anything you can tell us about as far as what you might be producing in the coming years?
1: Um
0: or what you're aiming for at least?
1: Hypotrans flipbacks are what I'm looking for for and, Hopefully this year, but we'll see. I don't know what's going to happen. Um, okay. I've picked up quite a few juveniles, so I'm still waiting for a lot to grow. Right,
0: uh, right.
1: But I've, I've, I've got some stuff coming that'll be super, super nice. Okay. Nice reds. I'll have some super clean yellows coming in uh, this spring, actually. I've got a market of leucistic. going to mix them with the uh, uh, Moonstone Dragons uh, yellow super citrus, which is unbelievable. So. Oh, Okay. Those will all be hypos. Lucy's a hy- actually a hypo. Market lucistic is a term that that I actually hate because they're not true lucistics. Everybody calls them lucies, and it's not true. Huh? Uh, there is no such thing as a true lucian dragons.
0: Oh, okay.
1: They, they don't have blue eyes. The dark blue eyes. But, you know, they don't. They're just just not true. So when you talk, when most people talk about a lucian dragons, they're talking about a really light colored hypo. Is all they're talking about.
0: Oh, interesting.
1: Okay. But, yeah, I, I hate the lucies. But I use it because a lot of people recognize it. Yeah. Um, you know, and then, uh, and then my superstitious girl, she's a hypo. ten all clear nails, super nice. Her sidebars are, like, the lightest sky blue you've ever seen. It's awesome. So,
0: oh, wow. I love her. Very cool. And uh, when, uh, where would people find you, uh, other than, you know, com? What uh, shows do you uh, have coming up that you're going to be at? Any idea yet? Uh,
1: uh, August... In August, I'm doing, uh, I don't do a whole lot of shows, I do a lot of local stuff. Yeah. In August, I'll be doing Sewerfest, that's S-E-W-E-R-F-E-S-T dot com. Mm-hmm. That's a, a really, really great show. It's captive bread only, which I really like, and they enforce it. Oh, wow. I like to see some captive bread shows where you go and you can find, you know, imported junk. You just, you won't find it at the show. They, they really walk around, and both guys that run it are there constantly um, policing it. So it, it's really, it's a great show. I love it. Um, Aaron Forge is one of the guys that runs it. He's a good buddy. He lives down a block from me, so uh, oh, I go to, with him to the uh, Chicago Herb Society meetings and everything. Right, That's another right. thing. If you have Herb Society in your in your area, you, everybody needs to join. They, they do so much for the reptile industry that nobody sees. Really? Unbelievable. Okay. Yeah. But, cool. uh, yeah, I love my Herb Society. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh I got off track. Yeah, so the uh, next okay. show you're going to
0: be at is Sewer Fest then?
1: Yeah, I'm going to be doing Swordfest. I'd like to do Tinley Park and ERC, but I don't know if that's going to happen. It depends on what I have for dragons. Okay. I don't breed tons and tons of dragons. I mean, the most I'll do is like 300 dragons in a year. Okay. So for me to have stock to go to a big show like that is sometimes difficult. Right. But I would like to do it if I if I can if I can swing it I'll do it.
0: Okay.
1: Oh no, you might see me at Tinley at this year at, in the fall.
0: Okay. Very cool. And as always, you can Charles Sherman at 100dragons.com, and of course I'll put the uh, Link in the show notes there. Uh, anything else you wanted to add before uh, we let you go here, Charles?
1: Not really. I think
0: that's about it there, John. Okay. Fantastic. And once again, folks, there you have it. That was Charles Sherman with Tundra Dragons. You can catch him over there at TundraDragons.com. And, uh, of course, I'll put a link in the show notes and uh, have his banner set up in there for you. Um, and once again, folks, thanks for tuning in. Uh, do leave some comments. Uh, check us out at ReptileApartment.com, HerpHouseMag.com, rather and uh look forward to listen uh hearing from you folks uh once again thanks uh to our audience members who are listening and subscribers to our shows and various blogs and things of that nature if you do want to stay on top of everything that's going on with the reptile apartment group you can go to reptileapartment.com and there's a little subscribe uh to the newsletter thing uh on the right hand side uh sidebar subscribe to the newsletter you'll get updates uh you get free stuff uh most likely premium content, uh, which isn't available any other way unless you are a newsletter subscriber. It could be an annual uh, for the Herb House Magazine. E- 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 it could be hooks. It could be product. Uh, who knows? Just uh, sign up, and you'll get some uh, You get some cool free stuff, and you'll get to stay on top of what's going on with the Reptile Apartment Group. And with that, I'm going to sign off for, the, for today, and we will see you next time here in the Reptile Living Room. Thanks for tuning in.